conventional wisdom, James 1, 5-8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. As we saw last time, James exhorts us to adopt a radical attitude when we encounter various trials. Count it all joy. We can do this if we understand a reassuring truth, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, James 1.3. But it is necessary to submit to the refining process. Let patience have her perfect work, James 1.4. The truth of the matter is that we usually do not think very deeply about life while things are going well, and we are enjoying the day-to-day. We are far too busy having a good time to ask the deep, significant questions about who we are, why we are here, where we are going. But trials, however, have the tendency to cause us to reflect on what is really important. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. Poet Robert Browning Hamilton wrote that in looks like the late 1700s. So going through a trial does not necessarily mean you will end up wiser. There is nothing automatic about the process. Trials can make some, some people very angry at God and bitter at life. We can put on a brave face and think that sticking it out, we are pleasing God. But this is to mistake stoicism for faith. We need help in trials because we lack wisdom and cannot cope alone. Wisdom is a decisive factor that makes all the difference to the outcome of our trials. Accordingly, James counsels us to pray for wisdom, without which trials will not lead to maturity but may even become the occasion for temptation, James 1.13. Wisdom is not just knowledge in general. It is the application of the Word of God to the problems and choices that confront us every day. This wisdom is not intellectual, but spiritual, coming from above, from God himself. James 3.15 and 17. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So why do we need wisdom when we are going through trials? Why not ask for strength? Why not ask for grace? Why not ask for deliverance? We need wisdom for this reason. So we will not waste the opportunities God is giving us to mature. Wisdom helps to understand how to use these circumstances for our good and for God's glory. James is talking about God's wisdom that enables us to endure trials joyfully. In the context of James chapter 1, wisdom refers to wisdom that we need to endure trials with God's joy. So that we will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James 1.4. James realizes that in a time of trials, God's people often do lack his wisdom 
on how to endure those trials with joy. Thus he adds verses 5 to 8. Of course we can ask God for wisdom in any matter in life that we face, but in the context here, it is focused on asking God for the wisdom that we need to endure trials joyfully. Enduring trials with joy goes against our natural inclination. When trials hit, we are prone to ask, why is this happening to me? But that is usually the wrong question. Sometimes God graciously reveals to us the reason for our suffering, but not always. Often, the answer to why we suffer must wait until we are in heaven. The important questions to ask when a trial hits are, How can I understand this trial from God's perspective? How can I navigate through this storm in such a way as to bring glory to God? And how can this trial help me grow in maturity? Warren Worsby tells of a secretary of his who was going through a difficult trial. She had had a stroke, her husband had gone blind, and then he had to be taken to the hospital, where as far as they knew he would die. Wearsby saw this woman in church one Sunday and assured her that he was praying for her. She startled him by asking, What are you asking God to do? He replied, I'm asking God to help you and to strengthen you. I appreciate that, she said, but pray about one more thing. Pray that I'll have the wisdom not to waste all of this. Wearsby observed she knew the meaning of James 1.5. Matthew Henry had a similar thought and comment about this particular passage in Scripture. He said, We should not pray so much for the removal of an affliction as for wisdom to make a right use of it. James is not talking about trials as one who had never gone through one. Remember his brother was tortured, beaten, marched through the streets, humiliated, and crucified on the cross. He saw how all this affected his mother, his family, and himself. James instructs those who are suffering on how to get wisdom necessary to live victoriously through life's many trials. James, as mentioned, was the brother of one whose life was filled with trials and who died at the hands of murderers. It is telling us how to get the kind of wisdom necessary to endure the many difficult trials with life and being able to count them all joy in the process. So to obtain wisdom, to endure trials joyfully, we need to know our God. Our text shows us four ways in which we must know God in order to obtain his wisdom. Number one, know that God is the source for all wisdom. To ask God for wisdom implies that he can deliver. The Bible plainly states, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and instruction. Proverbs 2, six. The Bible warns there is no wisdom nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord, Proverbs 21.30. In other words, if worldly wisdom contradicts or goes against God, it is false wisdom. Only God's wisdom stands out. Number two, know that God reveals his wisdom by his spirit through his word. God's wisdom does not come as a sudden revelation or impression that hits us out of nowhere. God's wisdom comes directly from God and is revealed in his word. It especially centers in the knowledge of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2.3. God reveals his wisdom by the Holy Spirit to those who are spiritual, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
That wisdom has to do with knowing how to apply biblical truth to particular situations in life. Thus, if you are not spending consistent time learning God's word, you will not have the wisdom that you need when trials hit. The time to seek wisdom from God is before the calamity hits. Proverbs chapter 1, 20-33. Number 3. Know that God reveals his wisdom by his spirit through his word to those whose hearts are fully his. James goes on to say that we must ask God for wisdom, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. James chapter 1, verse 6. And the one who doubts is a double-minded man that is unstable in all of his ways. James 1.8. The Greek word here translated as double-minded man literally is double-souled man. It refers to a man whose heart is divided between allegiance to God and the allurements of this world. In other words, he's not sure that he wants to know God's wisdom because he isn't fully committed to submitting to it. It would be nice to know God's wisdom for his situation, but before he commits to obeying it, he needs to find out if he likes it. In other words, he's shopping for answers that fit what he wants to do. If God's wisdom sounds good, he'll follow that. But if worldly wisdom sounds better, he'll follow that. James says that such a person will not receive anything from the Lord. And number four, know that God gives generously and without reproach to all that ask him in faith. When verse 5 says that God giveth to all men, you need to define all by the context, as always. God does not give wisdom to everyone in the world, but rather to every believer in Christ who asks in faith. But James emphasizes that the manner in which God gives is liberally and abradeth not. Liberally has the nuance of simply or without mental reservation. God gives because he delights to give to his children. Abradeth not means that he does not say, What, you again? I just gave you what you wanted and you're back here bugging me again? God never makes you feel cheap or irresponsible for asking again and again for the same things. Rather, he invites you to ask for all the wisdom you need. We need to ask God for wisdom. James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask of God. We've got to ask for wisdom. To obtain wisdom, to endure trials joyfully, see your need, know your God, and know what it is you are asking for. When James says, if any of you lack wisdom, he is not suggesting that some have it together so well that they have no need of wisdom. The Greek tense used here implies that we all lack wisdom when we face difficult trials. But we don't always see our need for God's wisdom. Thus, to obtain wisdom, to endure trials joyfully, see your need. When we are in the midst of trials, we may reflexively cry out, God, why me? Or Lord, help me get out of this and I will do fill in the blank. But how many of us say, while being tested, Lord, I need wisdom. Please use this trial to increase my wisdom and understanding of you, of your people and life. Please help me not waste this learning and not waste this growing opportunity. But this is exactly what James is commanding. If any of you lack wisdom, in the immediate context of going through trials, let a mask of God. James isn't telling us to ask God 
to take away that trial. He's saying if any of you lack wisdom in the context of going through a trial, let him ask of God. Now, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is far more than just an accumulation of information. It's far more than intellectual perception. The fact is man through knowledge has learned to travel faster than sound. But man displays his need of wisdom by traveling faster and faster and faster in the wrong direction in life. Man has amassed a huge store of information. But man shows his abysmal lack of wisdom by failing to live any better in the world as a result of it. Sometimes it seems the more information, the more knowledge, the more intelligence a man possesses, it inversely affects the wisdom. It seems like, in some cases, men that have this immense amount of intellectual knowledge are the least full of wisdom that I've seen in my life. Now, wisdom, in essence, is understanding for living. Biblical wisdom is understanding and living which surpasses earthly wisdom. One person defined wisdom as the practical use of knowledge. Another said that wisdom is that endowment of heart and mind which is needed for right conduct in life. Yet another has said that wisdom is the supreme and divine quality of the soul which man knows and practical righteousness. Another commentator stated this, for the Jewish mind, wisdom meant practical righteousness in everyday living. Obtaining God's wisdom involves our participation. The scriptures repeatedly invite us to desire and to seek it out. You don't just get it, you have to participate to get it. You have to ask God to get it. You have to be reading your Bible, you have to be studying, you have to be growing in your knowledge, growing in relationship to God. Obtaining God's wisdom involves our participation. Wisdom comes from diligent and prayerful study of God's Word. Notice the following encouragements in regards to wisdom. Number one, it is in the nature of God to give wisdom. God wants to give us wisdom. God is described in the Bible as holy, righteous, gracious, merciful, loving. But here James is describing God as one who gives. James is literally describing God as a giving God. James says that God giveth to all men generously. God's giving, of course, finds its ultimate expression in the giving of his one and only Son. Romans 8.32 He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how he shall not with him also freely give us all things? God wants to give us all things. And he even spared not his Son, but he delivered him up for us. He gave his son for us. He gave his son that paid a penalty of our sins for us. If he's willing to give his son, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If we ask of him wisdom, shall he not give us the wisdom we need? If we're living right, if we're living according to his word, if we're seeking out him in our life, if we're reading our Bible, if we're doing what we need to be doing as far as growing our life for him, growing our life in him, growing our life towards him, if he's willing to give his son, which he did, to save us, save our souls from hell, the Bible says, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God wants to give us wisdom. Now the diverse temptations which come to us all are nothing less than gigantic opportunities to become wise. We will become wise if we are open to the wisdom God offers us. 
we will become wise if we are open to the wisdom God offers us. 1 John 5.14 And this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask him anything according to his will, he heareth us. According to his will, he heareth us. And number two, God gives generously. God does not promise to answer every request we make, just how we want it answered, any more than I as a father would give my children everything they ask for. God loves us too much for that, and I love my children to give them every single thing they want as well. God does give generously, though. He gives us what we need generously. Not necessarily everything we want, but he gives us what we need generously. God's giving is pure and wholesome, is a pure and wholesome expression of his goodness. God is like a pitcher, a pitcher of water, a pitcher of blessing, a pitcher of wisdom, tilted towards his children, just waiting to pour wisdom over the trial-parched landscape of their lives, if they will but ask. God's wanting to give it. God's ready to give it. God's waiting to give it, to help us through trials, to help us through difficulties that seem to come over and over again. He wants to give it to us, if they will but ask. If we will but ask. In 1 John 5.14, according to his will, he heareth us. We need to ask for his wisdom. Number three, God gives graciously. God will pour wisdom over us without putting us down or demeaning us. God gives without finding fault. He upbraideth not. He does not confront us with a list of past failures when we come back to him again and again and again for seemingly the same things, he abradeth not. Number four, possession of wisdom is promised. James gives us assurance here that wisdom shall be given. We can ask with confidence in prayer because it is God's essential nature to give. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Matthew 7, 7-11. Ask. We need to ask. According to his will, we need to ask. To obtain wisdom to endure trials joyfully, ask God in faith to meet your need. Ask. The verb in James 1, chapter 5 is in the present tense, indicating you probably will need to ask more than once to obtain what you need. But it's a simple command. Let him ask. We need to ask. There's no magic formula or special incantation that you can mutter while you sprinkle holy water on a consecrated altar he does not say, let him work for it, let him earn it, let him buy it. Let him ask. Let him ask for wisdom. It's not for sale. It's a gift. Just ask. The second part of that is ask God. James 1.5, let him ask of God. Every believer is a priest who can approach God directly. You do not need to go through a priest or a pastor. No, I'm not saying that it is wrong to go to a spiritually mature counselor who can direct you to God's word for wisdom, but you don't need to approach God through any human intermediary. If you know Christ, ask God 
directly. Peter tells us that God, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Paul assures us in Ephesians 3:12 that Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. So when you need wisdom to endure a trial in a manner pleasing to God, go directly to God in prayer through the mediation of Jesus Christ. Ask him to direct you to the wisdom in his word that you need. He promises to give it to you generously. Some Christians make mistake of saying, but I am not worthy for God to grant my request. I have just sinned too many times. I have failed him so often, so I can't, I can't go to him and ask for wisdom. But that's an excuse for disobedience and unbelief. Every Christian has sinned. Every Christian has failed. Every Christian is unworthy. We do not come to God based on our worthiness. We come to God on the merit of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Now, since God commands us to ask him for wisdom, we are disobedient and unbelieving if we do not ask. Now, believe God for wisdom. Is there any condition we must meet in order to receive wisdom in our trials? Well, our text answers that with the affirmative. We must have faith. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. James 1, 6-8 We just learned of God's willingness to give. So why do we so often fail in trials? We often fail not because God does not grant us the needed wisdom, but we fail because we doubt. This doubt is a doubt that stems from unbelief. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. This phrase paints a vivid picture for us of instability in the mind and life of a doubter, of one who vacillates from this direction to that direction in his life. The Bible tells us here that those that waver in their faith should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Leading a doubting, unstable, vacillating life means a person would not receive wisdom to help handle his troubles. He will not ride his trials onward and upward to spiritual maturity. Is the Lord demanding perfect faith? Is he insisting that we never waver? God is not expecting perfection. If our faith had to be perfect, few, if any, would ever receive anything, for we are all doubters. Abraham and Moses were great men of God, but they were not perfect in their faith. Jesus honored the stumbling faith of the distraught man in the midst of testing, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Mark 9:24. A double-minded man. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In mentioning the double-minded man, James is not referring to one who's wrestling with doubt, the one who has two minds. He looks to God. He says he has no need. We must recognize and admit our need for wisdom and ask God wholeheartedly for it. The way some Christians pray is similar to a nervous student waiting to take an exam. He may say he has not done the study and has no hope of passing, even though he has studied. This is a psychological ploy. 
The student is trying to make himself feel better by cushioning himself against the worst, so that no matter what happens, the results will be better than he feared. We can all do something similar to this in various times in our life for many different things. But some Christians pray this way. It is possible for us to ask God hoping, but not really expecting anything from Him, so we will not be disappointed if we receive nothing, which is exactly what you will receive if you pray this way. James bluntly calls this being a double-minded man. And this kind of person, as a natural result of this double-mindedness, is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is more often self-deceived than overtly hypocritical. On one hand, he knows and approves of what is good. He senses the generosity of God, the value of prayer, the need of wisdom. But in practice, he is enslaved by his own passions, by his own wisdom. His nagging heart doubt, though he gets it in his mind, he understands the concept in his mind, but in the crisis of trials, he will usually put self-wisdom first, fearing to fully put his faith in God. Now the remedy for double-mindedness, simplicity, which is more than a lifestyle based on plain food or second-hand clothes and modest belongings. The essence of simplicity is a mindset. Living life based on a pre-made decision, a conviction of having one loyalty, of having one agenda, and that one loyalty is to Christ above self, and that one agenda is to Christ and his kingdom. Matthew 6:33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You and I will become wise if we are open to the wisdom God offers us. 1 John 5:14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. We need to learn to ask for wisdom instead of getting angry and saying, Why me? By God's grace, let us covenant to ask our generous, loving, patient God, who upbraideth not, for a large measure of the wisdom we need to navigate the trials of our life and live according to his will in all that we do. The testing of our lives make it possible for us to become immensely wise. God's pitcher is brimming with wisdom. He is tilted over us. He is just waiting to pour it out onto our trials and onto our problems. Remember, he is the God that giveth to all men liberally. He is a generous God and desires to give us everything we need. Are we going through some testings? Are we going through some trials right now? If so, do we want to ride those trials and testings that are so beyond our control up to God? If we do, then let us ask him for wisdom, believing him for it, and we will receive it as the Apostle John promised in 1 John 5.14. God intends that our trials will drive us to greater dependency on him as they demonstrate to us our inadequacies. Now, a young lady that was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident when she was 17, she wrote this about her suffering. Her name was Joni. This is what she wrote. God engineered the circumstances. He used them to prove himself as well as my loyalty. Not everyone has this privilege. I felt there were only a few people God cared for in such a special way that he would trust them with this kind of experience. This understanding left me relaxed and comfortable as I relied on his love. Exercising newly learned trust, I saw that my injury was not a tragedy, 
but a gift God was using to help me conform to the image of Christ. Something that would mean my ultimate satisfaction, happiness, even joy. She considered being paralyzed from the neck down a gift from God that he could use to help conform her to the image of Christ, which led to her satisfaction, her happiness, and her joy. Now, do we look at trials and difficulties that way? Or do we say, why me? Not again. Why me? Why does this keep happening to me? Or do we take every trial, every difficulty as an opportunity to be made more like Christ, to be molded more into his image, to be conformed into the image of Christ, to get the wisdom we need to become more like Christ? Do we look at trials and testings as opportunities to become more Christ-like? Or do we say, why me? Now, this testimony of this young lady, that is the kind of wisdom God wants us to have. That is God's wisdom on how to endure a major trial with joy. She did not get that wisdom from the world. She did not make it up herself. It came from God through his word. If you need God's wisdom for how to endure any major or minor trial with joy, ask him in faith, and he will give it. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live, and go in the way of understanding. Seek after wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. When you face a trial, face a difficulty, be thankful. This is an opportunity that I can grow more like Christ. Thank you.